Where arts and culture summits the airwaves, this is the Nine Rails Arts Podcast. I have missed me some proper way. It is always good to hear some of their sweet tunes. Uh, You know what it means getting back in the studio, Brandon? What's that? It means some new uh, proper way intro music. Uh, They're going to be working on some new tunes for us. And so um, I think it was Scott just brought that up the other day. So thank you for continuing to be. Um, the the house band for the Banyan Collective, and so they can't wait to put together some new songs for us. So I think I messaged him that uh, when I walk into the studio, I just expect his band to be waiting here on the deck uh, to begin playing when I open the door, and then I'll offer him a beer <laughs> or something, and then I'll just go about my work. They just should be here all the time, I think is where I was I think at. that sounds like a reasonable ask, basically, is what I'm saying, too. Yeah. I'm Todd Oberndorfer, and I'm joined by my producer, R. Brandon Long. We are the Banyan Collective, arts and adventure podcasting since 2010. In today's episode, I chat with Vanessa Castagnoli, the executive director of Ogden Contemporary Arts and Our Neighbor, which is located in the Monarch Building in the heart of the Nine Rails Creative District. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, welcome to the Nine Rails Arts Podcast. I am joined today by Vanessa Castagnoli. I'm going to read your bio, see if it's close to the truth. We could always embellish if we need to, or you could scratch anything off that doesn't apply. Uh, Vanessa is an Ogden-based artist who graduated from Weber State University, my alma mater as well, with a BFA in 3D media. She's held several statewide exhibitions, including a group exhibition at OCA's, my OCA, I mean Ogden Contemporary Arts, platforms in 2018, and the Kiesel Avenue Project, commissioned by Percent for the Arts in 2014. Most recently, Vanessa was the global events manager for Tensile, a company that Brandon, my producer, probably knows quite a bit about, a small outdoor startup. Vanessa combines a passion needed to make Ogden Contemporary Arts an epicenter of the arts for our community with established networking, fundraising, marketing, administration, and managerial skills needed to run a successful nonprofit. And that's all it takes, just that list of those five items. Sounds you great. Pretty much that's your job. I think I think what you do is probably a much longer list and mm-hmm. every day it's probably something new. Yeah, um, every day. <laughs> uh, so let's dive in a little bit to Ogden Contemporary Arts first. You are the executive director as of um, a year ago. Has it been a year or longer than a year? I don't it's want to understand. It's been a year now. I started in March, beginning of March, and then two weeks later, you know, that pandemic hit, and we shut everything down. Was that last year? That was just last year. No, that was a whole year. You got your job at a perfect time. Mm-hmm. Um, was, was, there, was there any sense of nervousness being hired right during that time? Yeah, most definitely. Well, 
um, I was already nervous about a job and I was, I was on the job hunt um, because Tensile at the time I was on maternity leave and they um, shut down their U.S. location. So I was, I was job hunting anyhow. So there was that. And then this job showed up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect timing because I need a job and this is my dream job. This is the job I want. So um, that worked out. And then I got the job and I started the job and I'm like, oh crap, there's a global pandemic. How am I going to program events and art shows and fundraisers and everything we do at a nonprofit to survive when you can't have an in-person event? <laughs> But I got creative. And, and this was and this was in a space that wasn't completely done at that point. Not it wasn't even started really. We were still It wasn't even started at that point. No, we were still working on the design. So I got to come in and help with the design and really have a say of what this space looks like and, and how we use the space, uh, which was really great. So I mean, in one sense, like not being able to have live events gave me time to one look at our brand, which at the time was Ogden First um, or O1 Arts. And everyone was so confused when I told them I got this job as an executive director for O1 Arts or Ogden First. And um, they're like, what is that? I was like, that's a good question and probably a, a, something that needs to be addressed. If you don't know what this company is that I'm working for, what this nonprofit does, then there's a problem with the branding. So at that point, um, I got the entire board together. We had a, a visit, vision session to figure out what we wanted to do, um, how, you know, what type of art we wanted to show, how we wanted to be perceived as an organization. Uh, and from there, we rebranded and came up with a new name, uh, logo, everything. Um, we did a new mission statement, a new vision statement that core values. And um, so, yeah, we, we utilized that time to one, do a massive rebrand and two, build an art center. So we used, we used it wisely. So that was it. So who was your team from the start when you came in? Um, was the board intact? Was it uh, exist? Was it new members? Was it old members? What was your base? We had, when I came on, there were five board members. Um, and Thane Fisher, who's uh, still on the board, he was then the president um, and he is the one of the founders of the organization. Um, so he was my, my main point of contact, I would say. And then we also, our, our current president, Corey Anderson, um, she was also there and a handful of others. Um, and so, we, since then, we've built our board up um, to now have 12 board members. We're still looking for three more because we would like a 15-person board. And so when you came in, um, because this is your first time as an executive director, correct? Correct. Okay. And so did you have a general sense of what your day today was going to be? <laughs> or was the excitement of not knowing... Um, you laid that out there, I'm sure. Yeah, I laid it out there. I mean, it, it was obvious that I've never been an executive director before and I've never worked for a nonprofit before. Um, but what I did bring to the table was my marketing skills, administration skills um, outside of, you know, the nonprofit world. 
and working for a small startup. And this is very much like a small startup. It's a small nonprofit organization that, well, we did it. The organization was founded in 2012. Um, we really, I feel like we really are just starting to take off. And I think we could kind of vouch for that as well. Um, okay, so all the work that you put into initially, um, into your vision, into your mission, I can certainly understand the importance. And so if it's okay with you, um, I'm going to read both of those and then we can elaborate and sort of fill in some blanks just a little bit. Uh, would that be okay if I read those? Please do. Okay, perfect. And so your mission statement, um, Ogden Contemporary Arts creates and shares globally influenced culturally diverse and technologically advanced arts programming. Okay, and so from what I understand, uh, mission statement a more or less drives uh, the day-to-day -day activities. And so with creating that, you can have a better sense of what your long-term vision would be. And in this case, the, the vision for Ogden Contemporary Arts is to inspire local and regional artists through active involvement with the international contemporary art community. OCA strives to be viewed as a credible and internationally respected art establishment while empowering artists with the facilities, environment, and experience to excel in their medium and enrich their lives. And so if we were to look at the mission statement, um, let's hit on a couple of the points on there. Um, to share globally influenced, and so that really does open up the window, particularly um, outside of Ogden in this case, uh, culturally diverse and technologically advanced. And so we can definitely talk about the technologically advanced elements in a minute with your current exhibition, um, but what landed in the mission and what had to be cut from that mission statement? Uh, what had to be cut from the previous mission statement? Kind of different versions. Was there much pivoting between OCA as it was before as um, Ogden first Mm -hmm. to transitioning into Ogden Contemporary Arts. Yeah, so I mean, I think that with Ogden first, um, one, they didn't have an art center when they created that mission statement. It was more just about um, you bringing art to existing structures and buildings that are already there, like um, window panes and at vacant lots and um, just bringing art to our community. Um, so that's, that's a big difference, actually having an art center and being able to um, have more flexibility of what type of art we show um, and the security of an actual building <laughs> and not just a, a lot in the middle of town. Um, so I think it, it was important for us to bring in outside artists to Ogden. Uh, and not only outside artists, but contemporary artists, because that's one thing that Ogden is missing. We do have the Shaw Gallery at Weber State, but that's not really ex as accessible, and they do a great job with programming. Um, I'm obviously a big fan because I went to school there, but not unless you've, you went to Weber State or you know someone who went to Weber State, you really don't go to that gallery. Um, and to have a contemporary gallery downtown Ogden that's bringing in globally recognized artists um, like Lauren Lee McCarthy. Um, she actually hits a lot of these um, topics um, in, our, in our mission statement um, with, the, with the technology and um, you know showing all over the world. The only reason why we got her is because 
she had a show canceled canceled in Athens because of COVID. So yeah, I think it's important to bring in uh, artists and work that you wouldn't normally see in Ogden. And in fact, you wouldn't really see them anywhere unless you're in a big city. Um, and we're also bringing in local creatives to work alongside of these artists, which is where we go with our vision statement and how we help um, our local community thrive. Uh, we're hiring local videographers, photographers, website designers, copywriters, um, you know, our local creatives. We have a lot of talent here in Ogden and we're expanding their networks by working alongside with these larger artists. And we're also showing these larger artists in the larger art world that Ogden has a lot to offer. You said so many nice things about the Shaw Gallery as well. Uh, the fact that uh, that is a space on the hill, and uh, you know, as somebody who works over at Weber and you know, involved with that as well, I do know that um, bringing people down from the mountain and then actually up from the city is is honestly sort of a back and forth. Um, mm -hmm. And so, with what you're doing as far as making connections and collaborating with the two groups, um, if I could touch on that just for a moment, the fact that you are certainly not. Um, doing all this alone, I think, is really important to hear. The fact that you're working with so many local creatives is really nice to hear. Um, the fact that, and we don't have to disclose too much information, the fact that you'll be collaborating with Weber State and, you know, that Shaw Gallery directly is really reassuring to hear. Are you really excited about that? I'm so excited about that. Um, yeah, that future project, um, which we haven't really talked much about yet to anyone, um, but it's, Just a teeny little tease, that's all that was. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a tease and it's going to be big. It's really exciting and um, it's it's actually turning into a, a much larger and exciting and meaningful project than I thought it would ever be. Oh, which is a process. I, I think all of the, the leading up to uh, the exhibition install itself is sometimes the most satisfying. I think that is a really good time to talk about your current exhibition, which is... I have that pulled up and I'm going to just read your little blurb from that and then we can expand. It's called The Changing Room. Um, it has been installed since February 12th and it goes through May 30th. So you have plenty of time to come check it out. Um, it's been installed in, and then we can talk about the facility itself, but it's in um, your arts garage. So I need to find out more about what that means. Um, but here's a description of your artist, Lauren Lee McCarthy. Lauren Lee McCarthy is an LA based artist examining social relationships in the midst of surveillance, automation, and algorithmic living. She is the co-director of the Processing Foundation and has been exhibited internationally at the Barbican Center, uh, Science Gallery Dublin, and the Seoul Museum of Art. She has received numerous honors, including a Creative Capital Award, uh, which is an awesome award, by the way, Ars Electronica Golden Nika, Sundance Fellowship, and grants from the Mozilla Foundation and Google. Uh, Lauren is an associate professor at UCLA Designed Media Arts, which of course she is, because she has so much extra time to do that as well. Yeah, I know. Um, and the fact that you were able to land Lauren Lee for one of your first exhibitions, what did that feel like? Oh man, it's, um, it's exciting. And, and I have to like be optimistic about being in the middle of a, a global pandemic because I'm not sure we would have been able to land her otherwise. And it, it gives us a good start. And, um, you know, it builds our portfolio as, a, as an art center. Um, and it gives us credibility. 
so it's amazing. And, and to be able to work with her, I mean, it was, it was just such a great experience. She's so, she's so intelligent and, um, you know, I had to hire a tech manager because it's just so beyond me, all the coding and technology that goes into a project like this. It was, it was just like another language. Um, but no, it is a great experience and we're just thrilled to have her here in Ogden. Can we take it back just a few steps as far as, now you've exhibited, what was, what was the very first exhibition in your space? In our space was, uh, uh, we brought in Modern West a Gallery down in Salt Lake to uh, curate a show called Constructed. Uh, we brought in Andrew Alba, they brought in Andrew Alba and uh, Shelley Cooper and Levi Jackson. And what was the original response to your first show? You know, it was, it was great. Um, we, you know, we opened it, it was early November. Like in the middle, middle, like, I mean, it was, it yeah. was pretty cool. you know, we opened our doors. We, you know, we had this beautiful art space open. We didn't want to just keep the doors shut. We're like, we're going to try this. We opened the doors, which was great, but we couldn't actually have an event because like numbers were crazy with COVID. And then we had the holiday season and we felt that the best decision being in the holiday season um, and cases going crazy with COVID that we would shut our doors and only offer it virtually for a while. Uh, then we were able to open up our doors for good. <laughs> um, come, it was January and we were able to, to actually let people see it in person for a couple of weeks. So. It was very well received. Um, I was just sad we couldn't have a, a big opening like I would have liked to do for them. <laughs> Which I completely understand. I think um, what inspired me and inspires me about, about galleries and arts organizations and even theatrical performances is the fact that so many of these organizational leaders have pivoted and rather than just shut the space entirely, you've still been giving us art this whole time. And so the fact that you decided to do essentially these virtual tours and have that available online, can you take us through that process? Yeah, so we actually um, used a Matterport camera. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the technology. I have never heard that word before. Um, <laughs> I know the results. Yeah, so it's just like they use it in real estate all the time. Um, it's just this camera that they you walk through, you put it in one space, it does a 3D scan, you go to the next space, do a 3D scan, and the resolution's so great that you can like really get up close to the art and see the texture. Um, so you could virtually walk through our entire space, which was nice to offer. And even prior to um, our rebrand, I was also, um, I also put together a, a virtual series called Social Distancing in Art um, that was solely um, live streamed on, on social media and our website. And it was, um, you know, it, it was some sort of art programming, which was which was refreshing and it was live. Uh, well, two of them were live. One of them was pre-recorded. Um, and we had a big response. I mean, we had people in New York tuning into what we're a small little nonprofit art center is doing in Ogden, Utah, which was really cool. So looking at, yeah, COVID sucks because we can't have in-person events, but 
it really broadened our reach and um, it made us reevaluate how we offer programming. Oh, and then some part of me, and we discussed this just a little bit yesterday at um, an Ogden City Arts Advisory meeting, was the fact that so many of these advances, and not just advances, is the, you know, you kind of have to train the arts community to some degree too, that that some of these virtual experiences are available, and then how, you know, to still interact live with those events. Um, I would like to see a lot of that continue. Um, obviously, I cannot wait, you know, to interact face-to-face -face on location as much as possible, but the fact that you're able to reach live um, in New York City, that's brilliant. I know that, uh, and I'm gonna bring Brandon in just for a second, um, but uh, one of the projects we do is this band sessions and the facts that we've been, you know, kind of pushing that live streaming element of it, you know, I can't wait to keep that up post COVID uh, because it is such a great way to draw live fans. Uh, because there's something about the pre-recorded is brilliant for somebody say like myself or yourself that is very busy so we can kind of hit it on our own but a live stream feels like i'm there to some degree particularly if it's across the country um, because i can't remember what it which country is it brandon we're, we're we're just like super hot in i all of them obviously but but i want to say like zambia or something it was a really random country yeah, and I think it was last year, a couple of years ago, it was Germany or, but just every now and then you see these little spikes and uh, you know, somehow it's trickled into, you know, a smartphone or a laptop, you know, with somebody around the world and we engaged with them, even if it was for a moment or how, however long. And so I like the fact that, you know, this is reliable, you know, these live streams are reliable enough, uh, the most, I say knock on wood, we, we struggled to you know, some weeks ago with our connection. But for the most part, the fact that you can count on a full performance without it dropping out, that's significant. That's something that's relatively new. Um, what, it's so funny. What was the, what was the name of the live stream or the, the, the platform where you would do video calls uh, pre-Zoom um, and not just Facebook? Um, oh, the name escapes me, but it, it was essentially- Skype. No, no, not Skype. Skype. Skype? Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. Skype. Yeah. Everybody Skyped and Skype was somewhat unreliable. And then when everybody needed that service, I have no idea what happened to Skype. That was right. They laid the groundwork. They laid the groundwork for years. <laughs> and then when we really needed them, it was Zoom just came in and just <laughs> took over everything. <laughs> So I'm not entirely sure what that is. Well, but Vanessa, that, as a know, as a marketer, ex-marketer, she probably definitely sees that big miss 2020. We didn't Skype all of 2020. We Zoomed all of 2020. So, mm -hmm. yeah. A hundred percent. And the fact that we're, we're using a whole other platform today. There's just options now that there never was before. And that's some good that's come out of all of this. Um, that being said, if we can make it into the space and your galleries open for business, um, how can I come down and check out uh, Lauren's work over the next? And I want to remind everybody it goes through May 30th. So yeah. what's the best way to check out her exhibition? May 30th, we're open Wednesday through Sunday. Um, so Wednesday through Saturday, we're open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then Sundays, uh, 11 to 4. 
So you have plenty of time to come in. You don't need to make an appointment. Uh, you just walk in. Um, we sanitize constantly. You wear a mask, please, um, and come enjoy. And and so I do want to touch a little bit about the the actual um, exhibit. So yes, I want an insider's perspective. Yes, yeah, so where we you know we briefly talked about Lauren and and the name of the the exhibition and the short little blurb. But what it is is you come in and you walk upstairs and there's a control panel where you get to actually select on these touch screens one out of over 200 different emotions. And then through projection, light, and sound, the entire gallery changes to that emotion. So she has the lights programmed into it, all of the projection with the, with the imagery and the text that gets fed to you. She even had custom music made for this project for each different emotion. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, uh, bringing up the issues that, you know, we as a society have, maybe not issues, um, how we as a society interact with um, artificial intelligence. Uh, we have Siri in our pocket. We have Alexa in our house. And, you know, I, I was talking to her about this. I was just like, you know, like this could be like a really bad thing. It could be a really good thing. Like, how do you perceive it? And what are you trying to to say with this show? And she's like, well, I don't want to say that it could be a really that it's a horrible thing or it's a really great thing because you put it in the right person's hand that you know it can make a big difference like think about everyone you know has been in lockdown and people are getting depressed and mental health issues you know like what if you can just come into our space and be like oh please make me happy and you just come in and you select happy or joy or you know, calm, and then you sit here and you take it all in, then all of a sudden you like get a sense of relief. You know, it's, I'm really interested, like I'd like to see an actual medical study based off of this technology just to see where it could go. But at the same time, you put this in the, the wrong person's hand and it could go really bad. So it, it's just, a, it's a really interesting concept and a fun interactive show. It's great for all ages. We have a ton of projection and iPads that the kids can play with. You know, it's, it's a safe place. It's a fun place. And I encourage everybody to come check it out. What an interesting project. And it's one of those that it can on the surface be, you know, it's just extraordinarily fun for kids of all ages. But at the same time, the fact that, you know, there is a certain amount of manipulation involved of emotions through her choices is really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, she built this algorithm that like for all the images that, um, you know, it's she she goes on the Internet like, OK, show me all of the images that come up when I Google angry and all of those images get thrown into this archive in which she carefully curates to actually put in the show and on the projection. But the fact that like there's just this whole component that yeah it's just everything that the internet's feeding you at the same time yeah it's it's really cool <laughs> so when when she came out you had her as um she came out to visit for a little while didn't she yeah so she was here for a week or just a little over a week and um i had her work alongside with a videographer and a photographer um 
And uh, we also took her skiing. <laughs> I took her skiing up at Powder Mountain um, because Utah is a pretty cool place. And I kind of felt bad because, you know, she's like locked up either here in the art center or um, or in our hotel because I mean, no one was really eating out at that time. Um, and it's cold, so you couldn't eat outside. And so I was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like I couldn't take you out and show you Ogden, but you know, let's go skiing. Let's go do something outside. And she was like, honestly, this is amazing because she lives in LA where things are so much worse. And she's like, I can't believe I can go into a restaurant and order food. That part's kind of nice. And you had her do an artist talk as well. And this is one of the things as sort of the outreach, you know, manager up at Weber State that I strongly suggest to my art students is to take advantage of artist talks, lectures, workshops, discussions, um, anytime you can possibly go to an opening where the artist is present. But the fact that you were able to line up an artist talk where not only was she able to, you know, relay firsthand, you know, that basically her side as an artist, but she also, also was able to field questions. How important do you see um, essentially those kind of artist talks too to the process? Oh, it's, it's so important. So I, I really think it's important that we're working with artists that are willing to come to Ogden and engage with our community um, via art talks and work alongside with our creatives. So I have no interest in bringing in an artist that's just going to throw up a show and leave and, and not take part in our community, um, and especially um, offering these art talks when we have such a great relationship with Weber State. Why wouldn't we take advantage of that? Um, I, me, as a, when I was a student, I really enjoyed the art talks. I enjoyed going to art shows where I can actually interact with the artists. Um, I don't know, it just, it, it it's motivating to see that someone's doing this. And um, yeah, I mean, it's important. So every single time we bring in artists in from, from out of state or even in state, I think it's gonna be very important for us to um, make sure that they're willing to you know, work with the local university and we'll partner up and we'll continue to offer that programming. I think the fact that we both did go through the same, um, my focus was 2D, but we did go through a similar BFA program. Um, how important, this is a nice little plug that I'm gonna forward as much as possible to new students that are coming through. Uh, the importance of doing a little extra on top of the studio classes themselves. Um, Cause I do know that as somebody that helps plan artist talks and discussions and panels and all that type of thing, or bring in movies, um, the students themselves, the artists themselves do need to take that extra step to show up and take advantage. Um, and so what more can we do collectively to encourage the community and artists to take advantage of these artist talks is like, that's one of the number one things that I'm always thinking about. But if you could explain again, how important that was to you as a student um, to really see what working artists were doing today. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it helped, um, one, for me to um, grasp how I can become successful as an artist. Like, okay, like I can sit here and I can ask questions. Well, how did you get into it this way? And, and not only that, but you network. like it's all about who you know. In every industry, it's about who you know and who you surround yourself with. I mean, you can be a really great artist, but if you just sit in your basement and you don't go out and you don't go see shows and 
start our conversations with other artists and curators, no one's ever going to see your work. So it's, it's important. Networking is very important and that gives you an opportunity to network. And that goes to essentially all ages. And so when you're meeting with your board and you're planning upcoming exhibitions, how much more to that um, are you considering sort of, I love the fact that you've pretty much put, you know, established the fact that the artists that you invite have sort of a community element that's just wrapped up into the entire thing. But as far as trying new ways to get bodies into the gallery, is that just a constant battle for you? Yeah, you know, I think that we need to make it less intimidating to walk into a contemporary art gallery or a contemporary art center. You know, think about if you're a tourist in New York and you're, you walk into you know, a museum or a gallery, it's kind of intimidating, especially for contemporary art, because it's like, oh, I didn't go to art school, or this isn't really normally my thing. You know, it's, you, you kind of feel stupid. <laughs> and I don't want people to feel that way. I want, I want people to get excited about it. I want to help educate. I want to find artists and work that connect with our community um to uh, give them an opportunity to gain an appreciation for art um, because it drives creativity and it's shown to um, help you succeed further down no matter what professional field you go into if you're going to engineering or if you want to be an artist or if you want to be a doctor i don't just having that creative drive helps you succeed in other fields as well oh 100 percent. so what can you tell us about um Oka's involvement with the brand new uh, Dumpkey Arts Plaza that is not too far from you. Oh, it's so exciting. Um, yeah, so we're basic, we could, we could throw a stone at it. If we, <laughs> uh, it's, our, it's our new neighbor. Uh, so we've, we've helped fundraise for it essentially. So, um, and we've sat through plenty of, of, uh, of brainstorming meetings and uh, but we have put on put out a lot of effort um, to write grants and bring in funders for the project. So we actually brought in a million dollars for the project through Weber County Rent. Thank you for that. Um, as somebody that is also very involved with that new plaza, um, on a purely selfish note, I cannot wait every day that passes for that to open up. Uh, the fact that that. Um, has been going on for many years, um, and then it just dialed up really fast, and we broke ground not too long ago, and that space should be done in the fall. Um, and so, obviously, as a creative, I'm incredibly excited to see what's going to be coming into the space, but also to, you know, just like every project that we do, to try to get that community involved into that space as well. Do you have any wishes for the space? Uh, you know, I feel like it, the programming is in really good hands with Weber State, um, which is, is really exciting because Matt Chaburka, um, to have him at the, you know, at the wheel for running the programming of that space, you know, is going to be quality. So, no, I, I'm excited to see what comes of it. And I'm excited to see how the community actually interacts with it. And yeah. I love it. Okay, so we're a year in. Um, we're about, I don't know how many months from the, the plaza opening up. These are significant projects, but I do know as 
you know, somebody in, in, in your position that you are already thinking about a year from now, how far out are some of these exhibitions planned? They need to be, <laughs> COVID put everything first. Theoretically, yes. <laughs> it's been really, really hard to program um, and fundraise. Fundraising is incredibly hard right now. I mean, we're doing our That best. could be a whole nother show. I think we should do that. Fundraising <laughs> during COVID. Show. Fundraising during COVID. The struggle is real. But yes, like um, I'm now starting to plan for projects a year from now. I'm, I'm currently developing our artist in residence program, which I hope will um, have our first artists show up in January. Um, so yeah, like ideally these, these shows should be started like a year to two years in advance. Um, considering I started in the middle of a pandemic, I'm kind of trying to play catch up right now, if I'm being honest, but we're getting there. <laughs> I think being honest is great, but I think that we all do know where you're coming from there. I think the fact that, um, that the space and you and the board and everybody is doing as well as it is. And we have major projects that are coming out of this last year is, you know, it says a lot for the people of Ogden and the creatives, you know, of Ogden that we, you know, nothing's going to stop us honestly at this point. Yeah. It's all. Um, okay. So let's do kind of a last plug for the space itself. Um, if you could review uh, the hours, um, perhaps the location and, um, one last sort of shout out for your current exhibition. That would be fantastic. Great. Yeah. So please do come uh, check out our current exhibition, uh, The Changing Room by Lauren Lee McCarthy. Our address is 455 25th Street, downtown Ogden. Uh, we're actually located in the Monarch. You can't miss us. There's a big Oka sign above our, our space. And uh, our hours are Mon or I'm sorry, our hours are Wednesday through Saturday. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Perfect. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking time with me, neighbor. Absolutely. Um, I can't. I can't wait for the next things. And uh, and I love that I'm, you know, even uh, have a small part in all of this. And so wow. I, I couldn't be more excited for what you guys are doing. So thank you so thank much you for your good. time. And I will see you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, Vanessa. Thank you for listening to episode 25 of the Nine Rails Arts Podcast produced by the Banding Collective, arts and adventure podcasting since 2010. Don't miss an episode of the Banding Collective's Nine Rails Arts Podcast as we explore what it means to be an adventurous creative. Hear the stories of Ogden's new Nine Rails Creative District recorded from the Banyan Collective studio located in the district's epicenter and home to artisans, designers, and creatives, the Monarch Building. Follow the Nine Rails Arts Podcast on Facebook and also on Instagram at the number Nine Rails. For more from the Banyan Collective, search the Banyan Collective on Apple's podcast app, Spotify, and YouTube. Please subscribe on YouTube. This week, we'll leave you with a little something from Band Sessions, Banyan Collective's live podcast and music series recorded live from Ogden's first Friday art stroll at the Monarch Building in the heart of the Nine Rails Arts District. Here's one of our favorites from Branson Anderson. My battle bone daisy. My San Francisco baby.
Not one to complain. You got a brand new soul, honey. Mine's quaint. Meet me at the rooster. December I'll take any month that I can August, July, September Yeah Write me an email Pay me off my prints Mail me a female Ooh, Blow me a kiss When it's not time in California What are you thinking? Yeah. When it's not time in Nevada. Yeah. I'm dreaming about you. Anderson here on Van Sessions. Thanks.